Thank you for tuning in to the Queer Stories of Q's podcast. Sebastian Callahan and I am a junior at Syracuse University and as a research assistant for the LGBTQ Research Center we're working here to establish our first queer oral history archive. A few of our goals for this project include amplifying marginalized voices that are often wrongfully spoken for or over. I'm pleased to be here with you and I would like to extend all my gratitude to you for taking the time out of your schedule to participate in this interview. Please know that you may revoke your consent at any point during, this, during or after this interview. If you're feeling uncomfortable or want to take a break, just let me know because your safety and well-being is of our utmost priority and we definitely want to make that clear. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to share your story with us and we really appreciate it. And without further ado, we'll dive into some questions. So, awesome. Sounds good. Yes. Well, thank you, Brian. So can you tell me what's your name and what are your pronouns, if you'd like to share them? Hi, my name is Brian Stout, and my pronouns are he, him. And can you tell me where and when you were born? Where when I was born? Uh, I was born in Cincinnati, uh, Ohio. Uh, we'll just say the mid-80s. I don't want to date myself too much. <laughs> And in what places did you feel most accepted? And who would you say you were around? Sorry, can you say that again? In, in what places did you feel most accepted? And who were you around? And like, is this your home to yourself? And how do you navigate finding a home? So I'm just trying to figure out what, what do you consider home? And who were you around that caused it to feel that way? Is this you're talking about like at Syracuse or beforehand? Just, just in your life. Yeah, it'll get more towards Syracuse towards uh, later in the interview. Um, it, yeah, right now I'm just I'm just curious about you, honestly, about uh, yeah, if if it is Syracuse, then yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I um, was born in Cincinnati, but I grew up um, most of my life in um, suburban Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, which by itself is a very nice city. Uh, I grew up in a pretty close-minded conservative um, suburb. So, you know, I was pretty sheltered, I would say, um, you know, growing up, I had a, you know, a nice sense of probably like home and friends and whatnot uh, through, you know, elementary school and maybe even the beginning of middle school. And then, you know, things kind of get, uh, get tougher as kids kind of start to notice the, uh, you know, kids who may stand out for being a little bit different and, you know, particularly back then growing up in the, um, you know, the the 90s, the early 90s, um, you know, definitely wasn't cool to be gay or queer or anything like that. And, you know, we didn't have even formalized acronyms like LGBT, at least not that, you know, most people heard of or were at least talking about. Um, so it was definitely, um, you know, uh, a challenge kind of, um, you know, growing up and kind of navigating those um, middle and high school um, years in this kind of very conservative bubble. 
that I loved them. So that was sort of my life before Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, how'd your life change once you came to Syracuse? Well, it changed really dramatically. I mean, I remember having a bunch of schools to pick from, and for me, like actually, one of the deciding factors of Syracuse. Well, there are probably two things like, you know, one is was, you know, Newhouse for, for sure. At the time, I really wanted to go into broadcast journalism and, you know, that was obviously the place to go. But really, the other deciding factor was the fact that they had an LGBT resource center. Um, you know, I remember, like, I think the first day I got to campus, like I walked with this is back when it was still up on um, Comstock and, you know, walked up on that hill. And like, just to see that was such um, it was just such a feeling of like, um relief and home and um safety and comfort and excitement um because i never had anything like that you know like and that whole kind of sort of side of me um at least you know growing up was sort of something that had to be kind of like repressed and hidden and so to kind of come and even see like the letters lgbt like on a sign i mean was just like you know really exhilarating so i think like for me like that really was kind of the start of how um you know things kind of changed at syracuse and then just um you know got super um just sucked into in a good way into all of like the liberal arts education in terms of like my women's studies classes my sociology classes my you know education classes cultural foundations of education i mean there were so many really cool different um, classes and professors that I had that just opened my eyes up to like just really like all of the kind of unlearning <laughs> that kind of needed to happen based on sort of this very sort of like sheltered upbringing that I, um, you know, was the way in which I grew up. Um, and it was just sort of like, you know, moment after moment of kind of like, you know, your eyes being open to like, wow, like, I didn't realize I grew up like so sheltered and so, you know, conservative. And so to kind of like see and be with all these people that had these, you know, much more progressive and, and diverse points of views was just really, it was really liberating. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad the center did that. It's it's great to hear. Yeah, I've been uh, working. Those are my years is the early years of uh, the LGBTQ center from when it opened. So from 2001 to 2006 are the years I've been studying. And yeah, of course, I came across your name. I, I'm not sure awesome. how, but um, yeah, if you want to tell me a, a little bit more about uh, like what your connection is to Syracuse and how you're affiliated with Syracuse, like uh, did you come here for undergraduate or as your master's? Or Yeah, so I came in um, as an undergraduate and, um, you know, came in... Um, thinking I was going to do broadcast journalism and had a bit of a change of heart, ended up um, graduating in advertising at a new house and uh, still work in advertising today. Um, so that was my uh, my connection to Syracuse. Mm. Wow, yeah, that, that's, that's really cool. And um, so can you tell me about what your role, what would you say your role was in Syracuse or whatever that means to you? I would say, you know, I really kind of took on the role of, um, you know, act activist and, and connector, if you will. Um, 
you know, uh, I think just, you know, when I first, um, when I first got to uh, Syracuse, actually just a couple weeks into my um, freshman year, um, I had invited a guy to go to a, um, gay guy obviously to go to a, uh, you know, a, a party with me on a, like a Friday, I think it was a Friday night. And, um, you know, he ended up getting attacked in a pretty bad anti-gay uh, hate crime, um, like literally right in front of me and my friends. And um, so that was pretty, that was pretty traumatic. And, um, you know, but the university, like all really kind of like came together and it was like a, um, I don't know, it was like a very bittersweet experience because obviously it was like traumatic, but also then to see um, like just all these people sort of like come out and like in support of like, hey, you know, we're not going to accept this here was was just a very different thing to be able to see and witness, especially for somebody like myself coming from a very like just extremely conservative um, white upper class suburb where like, you know, nobody could even say anything gay. Um, so that was sort of like my first, um, I think like the sort of like birth of like my role of having um, a really active presence um, with the Syracuse LGBTQ uh, community. Um, and like I said, that was kind of like the, so that was the start of it. But like I said, like really, you know, having my eyes further open by like a lot of the, um, things I was learning in my classes, even just contact, con conversations with professors, um, you know, really kind of motivated me to just expand my perspective and do more, you know, I mean, I remember I was just like chatting with one professor one day, like after class and, you know, I think we were talking about like, oh, it's isn't it crazy that these anti-gay people say that like being gay is a choice and i think that's what i said and i think she said well i just don't understand even if it was a choice why is that a choice you can't make and like that just like blew my mind like that was just like such a um it was just such a progressive point of view and just like so different than like anything i would have ever even like you know thought of and it was just such an interesting um and kind of like pivotal um probably moment for me um and then just kind of like also having my eyes open to the fact that like, you know, we really, we really weren't all, um, we really aren't all uh, equal. And especially back at um, that time, you know, this is the, let's see, like the mid 2000s, um, early to mid 2000s, um, you know, Bush was, uh, Bush was president and, um, you know, tried to, uh, get this Defensive Marriage Act thing passed and, you know, really kind of trying to divide the country and, um, you know, basically trying to ban gay marriage, you know, at the same time, um, you know, even at Syracuse, um, we at the time didn't even have um, uh, uh, gender identity and gender expression covered as part of the uh, benefits for faculty. Um, and that was one of the first things that, you know, I kind of wanted to help um, you know, take on. And, you know, we also wanted to help pass, um, you know, sexual orientation and gender expression, non-discrimination laws, um, you know, in, in New York state. And, and ultimately we also wanted to kind of fight for, you know, marriage in New York state. There are a lot of, there's just a lot of things to be, um, you know, to kind of be done. And, um, as I kind of got more passionate, um, I think one of the first things that I kind of did with, um, with some friends was my, I believe it was my second year, my sophomore year at Syracuse. Um, I think it was like in the beginning of, you know, that year, that September, I was sitting with, you know, um, some of my uh, LGBT friends in the Shine 
student center and i think we were saying like oh it's so good just to be back and be here we're like it's just such a welcoming community so one of my um probably earliest and best memories of you know my kind of lgbt involvement at syracuse was organizing this rainbow bridge across the quad i remember um a couple of friends and i were um i think my sophomore year at the beginning of the year sitting in shine student center and saying how good it was to be back and you know how great it was to be somewhere so welcoming and you know we were thinking about how national coming out day was coming up in october and um you know, my, my one friend Joan said, you know, I just want to get my rainbows out and skip down the quad and kind of inspired this idea of, you know, what if we did this like giant human rainbow bridge across the quad on National Coming Out Day? And we organized it. You know, we said, hey, everybody come during, you know, this particular class change time when everybody's walking around the quad. And, you know, we put we put the, um, you know, flyers out and the word out in the Daily Orange saying, hey, everybody who wants to come show support dressed as one of the colors of the rainbow and come during this class time. And, you know, we thought maybe we'd get, I don't know, 20, 25 people. And we got a lot. I mean, it was like a full on well over 100 people kind of lined up. And wow. um, it was really cool. You know, you had people um, kind of doing running down down the rainbow bridge, doing cartwheels and just like have, taking pictures. And, you know, you could really just see it like lighting up a lot of people's eyes and um to me one of the greatest things afterwards was like i got a couple of notes from you know students who said you know i'm closeted i've never come out i've never seen anything like this before like this was life-changing for me um and actually one of those students was um a guy named eric who um ended up uh, being one of the people who co-founded um outrage with me which was the uh, lgbt activism group that i um that I actually started and we actually became roommates and we're, we're, we're still, we still keep in touch today. Um, but yeah, that was probably one of my earliest kind of and biggest memories of, of Syracuse. Oh, wow. I, that's where I knew your name from. Yeah. You started outrage. Um, can you tell me more about outrage actually? Yeah. So, um, outrage was a group that was sort of, um, born from myself and a couple other students wanting to just have a outlet for lgbtq activism on campus um you know i think as i um sort of realized how much injustice there still was um you know against the lgbtq community at the time and how much we were really being thrown under the bus for political reasons. You know, at the time, President Bush uh, was trying to, you know, pass the Defense of Marriage Act. And it just felt like, I mean, it really, really felt like we were under attack and, and, and just being dehumanized in every which way. Um, so there were definitely like massive um, just ways in which I felt we all felt, um, you know, like we needed to do something. You know, we needed to make some change. We needed to you know, um, do some community organizing and and and, and stand up to, to this. And I think there were big things like that. And then there were also small things, you know, there were things that we felt like, you know, we had an opportunity to make a difference in, in terms of like, um, you know, making um, curriculum in the Syracuse area, you know, more LGBTQ inclusive in terms of getting um, uh, gender uh, identity and expression, um, non-discrimination passed uh, at Syracuse. Um, in terms of uh, doing that as well on a broader state level. Um, there were a lot of things that kind of, there's a lot of work that I think a lot of us felt like needed to be done. And um, a lot of people who wanted to, you know, 
you know, kind of be part of a group that fought for that. Um, so that was really kind of like the birth of outrage. And we had a um, really, really um, just incredible um, faculty advisor. Um, her name was Margaret, Margaret Hemley. And oh, uh, I she, just interviewed uh, her. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So I remember, um, uh, you know, uh, I think she was just very involved with a lot of like the campus LGBT, LGBT, you know, stuff. And I had met her and I really liked her. And I remember just being very nervous because I, I, you know, it's nervous to ask somebody to be a faculty advisor for something like this, especially at the time. It's a big commitment. It's not the most, um, vanilla of organizations you know we would have started a campus activism group right um but she was all for it and like um you know i it was funny i um actually i think i was in one of the daily orange articles where they had like kind of interviewed me about after i started this organization and i kind of relayed the story of when i was asking margaret to be the faculty advisor i was kind of downplaying it i was saying you know you know don't worry you know we're not gonna be you know turning over any tables we're not going to be storming any buildings and she looked at me and she said why not <laughs> and I said okay I guess you're in <laughs> so um you know and you know we didn't we weren't about obviously we weren't about you know violence or anything like that but um it was really awesome to be met with um a faculty um advisor not just in and Margaret but in other um faculty members and um, you know, the leadership of the LGBT Research Center and what have you, um, who gave us a home um, and who gave us space and who gave us a night of the week to meet and um, who helped us with flyers and, you know, all sorts of things. And, you know, I think, um, you know, as I'm looking back on that group, um, you know, we did a lot of really cool things that, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of and we were, all, <clears throat> we were all really proud of. I mean, we had, um, like, you know, really kind of, for the, the time, really kind of like, um, thought-provoking, you know, um, exhibits in the in the student center that took a lot of, you know, pulling together. We had a lot of, um, you know, just programming that we um, went out and presented um, around campus um, on everything from like, you know, what LGBTQ bias is to like how to be an ally. Um, and then we did a lot of work partnering with a lot of the other great organizations like, you know, Pride Union, Open Doors. Um, it was just a really, um, it was a really um, welcoming and, um, just cool time and place to be kind of doing that kind of work and to be just, you know, did we succeed in everything that we set out to do? No, but you know, we moved the needle. And that's what that's what the work is about, you know, like that's what, um, you know, making an, an impact is about, you know, you're never gonna solve everything, but if you can kind of advance things in, in the right direction and, um, you know, do your small, small little part and kind of creating some change, then, you know, that's a win and to be able to, you know, do that with other like-minded people, but who are from very kind of diverse backgrounds and bring diverse, you know, experiences and thoughts to the table. I mean, that's just, that's really the essence of what an awesome college experience should be about. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I actually just pulled up those flyers and uh, that inter article you were actually just talking about. Um, and they're actually, Oh, wow. They still, <laughs> still have it. Okay. Yeah, they actually hold on to them. They're in the archives. And uh, yeah, it says, wow, okay, that's awesome. I can read you the first paragraph, actually. I feel like it'll remind you. It's actually very nice. Um, During the summer, junior Brian Stout was fed up with feeling useless in the fight for gay rights. He was fed up with meeting people who had so much passion and energy to offer for the cause, but little to do to make change. 
He decided to form Outrage, a political campus organization designed to promote activism surrounding the LGBT and gender expression rights. Unlike Pride Union or other LGBT groups, Outrage may not necessarily provide comfort or assistance in coming out relationships and other issues and, and other personal issues, Stout said. And the, yeah. and the group's timing could not be any better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Yeah, definitely brings back, um, definitely brings back, um, you know, uh, memories. And there, you know, there was obviously some, you know, kind of resistance of, you know, do we need another group or, or whatnot? Um, but ultimately everything, you know, kind of worked out, you know, really well. And, um, you know, I do think that there was a need for the group at the time and, you know, particularly I remember in our very first meeting, you know, there were definitely some faces in that group that, you know, I think, you know, clearly um, hadn't felt like they had a um, an outlet or kind of like a exactly kind of like the right, you know, in, I guess, if that if that makes sense to kind of be, um, you know, a visible part of the community. Um, and that was really cool. I remember sitting on the couch and hearing from them and kind of like why they came. And, you know, I don't even remember what like our first idea was or our first like thing is that we decided to do. But I remember like, you know, just grabbing like a blank piece of paper and like a pen and saying, okay, like, if you want to be part of this first thing, like just write down your name and your email address or whatever it was. And like I, everybody signed up and um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I actually found the flyer for the first, uh, first meeting right here. Actually, I have it in front oh, of wow. me and it actually, it's, it's great what you guys were doing and like, so like really intelligently by spreading the word, like here I see. Um, just like a big fact, and it's a really interesting fact about homophobia in America, and it reads, 19 states mm. have no hate crime laws covering sexual orientation, and then it goes on to name the 19 states from Alabama to Wyoming. And uh, the other one actually yeah. talks about uh, how transgender employees can be fired on the basis of their sexual orientation in over 40 states. Like, it's crazy to think about yeah. those numbers. And... Uh, how that wasn't that long ago, actually. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, it's uh, it's it's so interesting. Is, um, even, you know, here I am, almost almost like many years later. You know, been working in advertising for you know quite some time, and actually, this past year I had the privilege of working on a pro bono campaign for um, the human rights campaign for the Equality Act. Um, which uh, basically tries to close like a lot of these, um, you know, loopholes that actually still exist here in 2022 um, in terms of there's a lot of states where, you know, you can still um, be fired for being gay or, um, you know, transgender. Um, you know, uh, there was some recent, the recent Supreme Court ruling, you know, prior to some of uh, the these recent kind of conservative Trump appointees entering the um, the Supreme Court. There was a recent ruling that kind of, you know, started to maybe, you know, shift that a little bit, but there's still, um, you know, quite a lot of states where, you know, you can pretty legally discriminate against, you know, LGBTQ people, and that's kind of what the Equality Act would, you know, basically kind of uh, try to, to to address and try to close those loopholes at a, at a national level. So, you know, it's so interesting that yes, we've made we've made so much progress. Um, I think since then. But it's it's it seems like it's always two steps forward, one really really big step, um, one really big step back, you know. Mm -hmm. Very well put. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really interesting to think about. And well, thank you for doing that work, honestly, too, pro bono. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll uh, look around for it. Um, 
Okay, so actually, if we sh want to shift back right now, should we shift back to, can I ask, when did you come to terms with your queerness or queer identity? And do you feel comfortable sharing the ways you identify? Oh, yeah, so we probably should have started with that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, identify, identify as gay. And uh, um, I mean, I probably um, accepted that in high school, I would say, you know, I mean, I always knew I was, I always knew I was different. Um, even since I can remember being a little, little kid. Um, but um, I probably, you know, it's kind of interesting because everybody kind of like comes to terms with it on their own kind of timetable. But, you know, when you kind of maybe start to act a little bit different or start to just feel like you're not maybe necessarily into the same kind of thing as other boys are growing up, um, you know, society kind of almost begins to label you as, you know, different or others you, you know, before you even really know what exactly is it that makes you an other or, you know, not exactly like everybody else. And I guess that's sort of what, you know, the whole concept of like heteronormativity and everything uh, is about. Um, but yeah, probably around in, um, in high school when I really kind of like, well, I remember the, actually, I remember in eighth grade, the first day of eighth grade, her uh, eighth grade English teacher said, you know, everybody's growing up. The hormones are, uh, or sorry, was this seventh grade? Yeah, I think it was seventh grade or seventh grade English teacher. Um, hormones are, hormones are cooking in. You're noticing people of the opposite sex. Um, and for me, that was like, uh, uh oh, like that was like sort of like a, that was sort of like the first time it really hit me like, oh, maybe something's really wrong with me, you know? Um, Cause like the other kids I remember were really like chuckling like in a way like, yep, like that resonates. And I was like, oh, nope, not resonating. <laughs> so. yeah. Wow, so can you tell me about how your work intertwines with your queer identity or if it does at all? Yeah, well, I think for a while it, it didn't, you know, I think for, you know, for a while, um, you know, I didn't really figure out how to connect them. Like I was definitely doing, um, you know, I moved to Dallas after I uh, graduated from my first job at advertising and was fortunate enough to meet some awesome, um, you know, an awesome group of friends and, and awesome outlets for, you know, LGBTQ activism there. Um, you know, I was a member of the Dallas Stonewall Young Democrats. Um, I was, uh, you know, for that we organized, um, you know, everything from like, um, you know, community streetlight campaigns to marches to, um, you know, a whole, you know, foundation that raises money for HIV AIDS every year. Um, so I, I, you know, initially in my career was kind of finding these things to do outside of work, but I never really could find like a way to bring it into work, you know, particularly because, you know, I think um, back then, you know, it took a pretty progressive client to even be able to kind of like bring this up, you know, or bring up, you know, LGBTQ people without sort of fear or fear of like, you know, what are they going to think? Um, but I think time, you know, went on and kind of got easier. And, um, you know, I moved to Chicago a couple of years into my career and took a job at Little Burnett. And uh, interestingly, uh, at the time I was maintaining blog on like um, kind of LGBTQ um, advertising and what different brands were doing for um, people in the LGBTQ space. And interestingly, a creative director at Leo Burnett found my blog and was like, I also work at your same company and I work on the Allstate account. And I've always really wanted to do like this big, you know, LGBT campaign for Allstate. Like, would you want to partner with me? And I was like, yes, that'd be great. 
Um, and so that was sort of like my in in terms of like, you know, sort of figure like, oh, okay, we can actually, you know, bring our expect our our perspectives and our experiences um, to the table for clients and kind of use their, um, you know, kind of use their scale and resources to, you know, create sort of mutual value, you know, both for the clients and these brands, but also in terms of like, you know, creating visibility for the community and kind of benefiting the community at large. And so that was my first kind of like, you know, um, foray uh, into it. And, you know, I think since then I've just felt more comfortable, um, you know, pushing clients and kind of bringing up the, you know, opportunities to, um, you know, reach our community. Um, and, you know, uh, it's, I think as um, kind of time has gone on, um, it's even less about just doing right by the community, but it's just doing right by people in general. Because I think, you know, people in general and particularly, you know, younger millennials and Gen Z, you know, they demand that, you know, brands, um, you know, they know that brands have a lot of power in society, you know, and, you know, they're really putting their dollars with brands that are, um, you know, creating positive change in society and, you know, doing things beyond just looking after their bottom line. And that really includes, um, you know, all kind of marginalized communities who um, aren't treated, um, you know, equally or don't have the same, um, you know, rights and access as as others do. Um, so it's it's become, I think, just such a key and big opportunity for um, brands just to be part of, even if they're not trying to do something for the LGBT community, you know, just to, you know have being good standing you know with 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 people you know by um you know you know helping to create uh, positive change in the world that's what consumers are looking for mm. wow yeah thank you for such a nice long answer that was actually like you answered all my questions i would have had so sure can you tell me about uh how and i guess now that we're winding down to our last couple questions um i'll ask a pretty good one and a pretty big one and uh, can you tell me about how historical events like HIV, AIDS, or other esoteric happenings of the world that affected the LGB, well, the entire population of the LGBTQ plus community, and how have they affected you? Or, you know, anything else like uh, the trying, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the marriage rights? Um, yeah. I mean, probably the, the the biggest you know is certainly later on after syracuse but probably the biggest thing in my lifetime that probably got me most riled up um, after of course the whole george bush doma thing when i was in syracuse but later on was the prop 8 vote um which was basically when california marriage equality on the ballot and you know the mormon church you know actually funded a you know, massively, massively, um, you know, funded a, uh, you know, a propaganda campaign, basically like tricking people into like, you know, this, this distorted idea that like, if we allow gay people to marry, then, you know, they'll come after your kids and, you know, all this other kind of nonsense. Uh, and fortunately it passed and California, like the most liberal state in the country banned gay marriage and i for me that was like just another big kind of like turning point like you know obviously you know college is a time where like a lot of people are you know kind of like have the time and kind of like have the um 
you know, I guess are sort of in the mindset to kind of be in a little bit more of like an activist, you know, mindset. I certainly, you know, probably want more than just what the average person did on that front. Um, but, you know, then I entered the corporate world and, world and things were a little bit quiet for a year or two, but then Prop 8 happened and it was like, oh shit, like I am, I am back. Like that, that side of me that had been just sort of like, um, you know, kind of repressed a little bit since I had graduated and entered the corporate world. Like I was like, I need to get that back because like that is, that is like, you know, that is a big part of like my, my purpose, you know, like kind of um, making connections in a way that kind of leave the world and leave the LGBTQ community in a better place than it, it was previously. And, you know, particularly when people try to, you know, take us backwards or try to do so for their own, um, you know, gains in, in terms of politics or power like that just irks me to no end. So that was um, probably like a really big um, turning point for me in terms of like why I got back into, you know, activism and, and you know, really being an advocate for the community, you know, well after my time in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for all your activism, honestly. Like, you've definitely set a precedent for other students at Syracuse uh, who are, you know, like, I think outrage. I hope when this interview comes out, it's a, I hope we have another outrage. Um, and I'm excited, like, uh, for everyone to be able to hear all these stories and hear about what life in Syracuse was like as a student back in 2001 yeah. to 2006 and how it's changed. Um, and I'm glad. And yeah, you'll be there with Miss uh, or with Professor Margaret Himley. I'm interviewing Professor Minnie Bruce Pratt soon. There's going to be uh, so many other people, and I, that's just uh, one of my heroes. I love Minnie Bruce. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you'll be right there with them. And uh, yeah, many Minnie Bruce Pratt, Andrew London, Adria Janig, um, yeah. Amit Panija. I mean, a lot. Of, just so many. Um, there were just so many people who. Um, you know, some of them are still there, some of them not, but um, just uh, had such an impact on me and, and so many others. And, you know, my hope is that, you know, even if there isn't ever another like organized outrage per se, that, um, you know, future students will, you know, find the outrage and, you know, whatever the injustices of the day are and feel like Syracuse is a, you know, welcoming and supportive place where they can foster that outrage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else you'd like to add about your overall experience as a queer person in Syracuse? Uh, hmm. Anything else I'd like to add about my overall experience? Um, I don't think so. I think we've covered it, to be honest with you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to let me interview. Mm -hmm.